Welcome to the podcast of Grace Covenant Church, where we are transformed by God's grace, connected through relationships, and committed to service. Please have a seat. Welcome to Resurrection Sunday. We are so glad you're here today. I hope everyone has a seat, right? Okay. We are celebrating today the day the universe changed, Resurrection Sunday. Friday, Jesus was executed by Rome because they felt like he was a threat to their power or their well-being. On Saturday, the earth slept. And then on Sunday, on Resurrection Sunday, a stone was rolled away, and it was the day that all creation changed. In the early days, soon after the resurrection, followers of Jesus Christ came up with a greeting because they needed something to remind them of what happened on Resurrection Sunday. They needed something to inspire them during dark parts of their lives when they were following Jesus Christ. And so they came up with a greeting. We're going to exchange that greeting in just a few minutes. The, the power of greetings, right? I mean, it's, it's, um, it's a subtle thing, but it can change your mood. It can change maybe your attitude. If you've ever visited College Station and crossed the Texas A&M campus, right, there they are. They're the crazies. I mean, you, you get a, when you walk across that campus, people keep saying their greeting, which is, howdy. Yeah, howdy. Perfect. I mean, all day long, right? And you might have started off your morning a little bit, I don't know, perturbed or out, out of sync. But boy, by the end, I mean, you're saying howdy back. And it was, it's the mood of that campus. Uh, when I went to the University of Texas in the early 80s, we had a mood and a greeting as well. You would, you would run into someone, and you'd, and you'd see them, and they'd say, what? <laughs> it was pervasive through our campus. It was the power of a greeting for good or for bad. So what we're going to do today is we're going to look at the, the greeting that's been around for 2,000 years. People have said this back and forth to one another to remind them of what happened on Resurrection Sunday and to, to inspire them um, to continue to live their life for Christ. This is what it's going to look like. We'll say it in just a few minutes, but this, these are the lines. I'm going to say, Jesus Christ is risen and you will say, he is risen indeed. But before we say that, we need, we, I need to set this up because if you want to clap or cheer or whatever, you need some context to fully appreciate this greeting. And the context is this, okay? These are the facts. These are things that are true. And there was a man, historically, his name was Jesus. And he lived like no one has ever lived. And he taught like no one has ever taught. And he loved he loved like no one had ever loved. He was especially attracted to the marginalized people, the people on the fringe, right, the people, the outcasts. Sometimes that meant they were poor or they were broken in some way. They were weighed down heavy with guilt. Sometimes it was uh, the disheartened wealthy that people resented or they had found no purpose in life. He loved the Roman soldiers that were looking for something else to live for. This was this man. And on Friday... It was his uh, great love that led him to be taken by the Romans. It was his courage, his great courage that led him to the cross. It was his great heart that stopped beating. And he died on that Friday. And on that Friday, the most horrible, tragic ending to the most wonderful life would have been just maybe... Um, a symbol, but it was not. It was more than that. It turned out to be the greatest sacrifice in the world, and it was purposeful. On Saturday, it was quiet. 
the king was sleeping. He went to hell and death for you and for me. And then on Sunday, on Sunday, a stone was rolled away. Let me read this. A stone was rolled away. On Sunday, the grave lost its victory. Death lost its sing. Sting. On Sunday, hell was defeated, death was dethroned, darkness was derailed, the devil was destroyed. On Sunday, the tomb was emptied and hope was fulfilled. On Sunday, faith was vindicated, the prophets were validated. On Sunday, sin lost, shame died, hope soared, love won. On Sunday, we got something beyond what we could ever live for. We got something beyond any hope that we could even die for. This is, therefore, the central proclamation of the greatest victory over the darkest enemy over the, because of the noblest hero for the loftiest cause of all human history. It is for this that we celebrate this phrase, Jesus Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. That's good stuff. That's the best I could do with that. I'm just a little leprechaun. A black pastor could do that in a way that would make you cry. Settle for the little white guy today. So, Resurrection Sunday, every, everything changed on Resurrection Sunday. Life and pain and death and suffering all are redefined on this day. Everything about us changed, our identity and our purpose in life. Everything changes because of this day. And that's why we're here to celebrate this. Let me just read from you the last chapter from the book of Matthew, Matthew's biography here. It's called The Gospel. Here's how he describes this day. On the Sabbath, this is after the Sabbath, the day after the Sabbath, that's Sunday, at dawn, at the first of the day, the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went and went to look at the tomb, and there was a violent earthquake. For an angel of the Lord had come down from heaven and, going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and was sitting on it. His appearance was like lightning. His clothes were white as snow. And the guards were so afraid of him that they shook and they became dead like, like dead men. Now, the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. For I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He is risen, just like he said he would. Now, come and see the place where he lay and then go quickly and tell his disciples he is risen from the dead, and he's going ahead of you to meet you in Galilee. There you will see him. Now, do what I told you to do. And so the women hurried away from the tomb. Now listen to their emotions. Afraid yet filled with joy. They are afraid yet filled with joy. And they were running to the disciples. I guess they turn a corner on a path, and because it, it says, suddenly Jesus meets them and says, greetings. And they fell down at his feet and worshiped him. Greetings. Does that seem a little understated to you? Right? I mean, imagine the last 36 hours, the last few days for these women or their lives, right? They, they lived with Jesus. They loved Jesus. These were the women that stayed with Jesus all the way up to the crucifixion. They saw him die. And they went to his tomb in a context of grieving, and then they meet an angel there. They're confused, right? And they're filled with joy, and they're afraid. And then they come around the corner, and they, he says, Greetings. 
I mean, this is a very common word. It might be the single most common word uh, used for greetings in the New Testament. It'd be like uh, us saying, uh, hey, uh, how are you doing? Uh, Howdy, (laughs) right? But what's he saying here? By just saying greetings, in light of all that they'd been through, right? They loved him so much. They saw their teacher die. They saw his tomb empty. And he says, he's, what he's saying here with just this subtle greetings is he's saying, what did you expect? This is what I told you. Of course this was going to happen. If I can create life, and I can, I can recreate life. If I can create you, and I did, I can recreate you. So, yeah, Greetings. Uh, New Testament scholar Dale uh, Bruner says when he was trying to teach this exact same passage to a children's Sunday school class, he was trying to help them understand what it must have been like. And he he offered it to the kids and said, what what do you think the first words of Jesus was going to be when he met the two Marys? And some little girl in the back raising, oh, I know, I absolutely know this. You know, so she stands up and she says, (laughs) ta-da. That seems a little more appropriate, doesn't it? (laughs) Greetings. Ta-da! <laughs> Resurrection Sunday changes everything. It changes our identity. It changes our purpose in life. It changes the way we perceive all of life around us. But it doesn't change us the way people think it does. You might be maybe misunderstanding what's actually taking place in this passage because while Resurrection Sunday changes us, it doesn't change us in the ways that most people would expect. You get 2,000 years from this event, and people look at Easter, and we've, we've turned it into this thing where, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, bunnies and, and, and eggs, and, 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 and right, because it means, it means symbolically, it, it, it means that the spring has sprung, and, and there's life eternal. Uh, we get to wear, you know, kind of shinier clothes, brighter clothes, absolutely, those sorts of things. And cynics especially turn up their cynic meter on a very high level at this time of year because they see Easter, Resurrection Sunday, is a crutch for people that just can't face the cruel certainty of death. Or they look, or, or, or they look at us and they say, you know, you just, it's a fairy tale where you want, you want everything to live happily ever after, and so you cling to this story. But I want to tell you this, that that's not what Easter is. It never proposed that. It, it changes everything, but probably not in the way you think. Because um, when, when you read the passages, the stories in the Gospels about what happened on Resurrection Sunday, you'll find out that the people that actually experienced it, they were afraid. As a matter of fact, they were more afraid after the resurrection than they were before. This was not a tranquilizing, you know, soma event for them. This was an unnerving thing. It wasn't like Jesus came and said, okay, no more worries. No, 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 no need to fear. And so, so in Matthew's gospel, which I just read, it said that the women were afraid yet filled with joy. They were very afraid yet filled with joy. The earliest manuscripts uh, of the book of Mark, Mark's uh, biography of his account, it ends like this. So the women went out and they fled the tomb for terror and amazement had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. They were mugged. They were seized by terror and amazement. In John's gospel, it says that after the resurrection, 
the followers of Jesus Christ locked themselves in a hiding place, hoping no one would find them. So yes, I mean, Resurrection Sunday, it changes everything, and, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a wonderful story, but it's not the story everybody thinks. What's going on here? Well, if you, again, you remember the story here in the context of what they lived. On, on Friday, Jesus was turned over to the leaders, right, the, the religious leaders and the Roman leaders, right, the civil leaders, and they were afraid of a movement he was getting going, the religious leaders for, for the sake of Judaism and the, and the secular leaders for the sake of some kind of military overthrow. And so they had to squash this thing like they always squash this thing, and they publicly destroyed their leader, Jesus, and they crucified him. And so with that in mind, you would imagine who's next? Everybody that follows the leader. And so the disciples, the follow, all the followers of Jesus are are in great fear because they're in great danger. And when Jesus returns, okay, when he, when he comes up resurrected, he doesn't say, he doesn't say, okay, no need to worry now. He doesn't say, everybody take it easy. Let's just celebrate. Let's go back home to heaven. He doesn't, he doesn't say, okay, you get behind me and watch me sweep Rome and do what I can do best. He doesn't do that because that's not what he is. He, said, he says this. He says, the cross didn't work. He said their, their plan has been faulted. He said God's, God the Father's plan to send his only begotten son so that it, whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life, it succeeded. Tell everyone. And then he says this, go tell everyone this. And, and now the Romans and the religious leaders are certainly more threatened now than they ever were before because now they have a living leader. And if you keep reading the story, you'll see that they're in a, a full-blown panic and they're paying off uh, the guards and are desperate to make some kind of story up. But they're in a lot, of, a world of hurt here. And, and then Jesus says this. There's a reason to be afraid. Jesus says this. I'm going back to the Father. <laughs> I'm going to see you. I'm going back to the Father. I'm going to send the Spirit to indwell your souls and then you are going to go tell everyone that the plan failed, right? That Caesar failed and Pilate failed and the religious leaders failed and the cross, right? The most uh, insidious, public, and humiliating and painful invention of execution failed. I crushed that under my heel. Tell the world it's all failed and tell them that I have been raised again. Look, it was just 36 hours ago. Jerusalem was a powder keg, and it still is. 36 years ago, a mob is screaming, crucify him, crucify him. And Jesus says, I'm going to go be with the Father. The Spirit will indwell you. You go back into Jerusalem and say, you're one of my followers, and that I survived that. Their plan, their, their, all their plans failed. Resurrection Sunday, it changed everything. It's not the way, but it's not the way a lot of people do. It, they were afraid before, and they're more afraid now. He's given them something to think about that way. Look, again, they were afraid, and they were filled with joy. They, they were filled. They had terror and amazement had seized them because of the resurrection. So when you hear stories about people saying it's a metaphor of um, cute little flowers or, in my case, dandelions cracking through my sidewalk, right, that, that, it, that it means there's life after death in, in kind of a happy 
ever after kind of story. That's not what he's saying. Resurrection Sunday changes everything because it validates and proves the teachings of Jesus and the purpose of Jesus. Resurrection Sunday says that everything that Jesus taught about God and love and what real power is and what purpose in life is and values and what is right and what is real and what is true, all those things are proven to be true because of Resurrection Sunday. Resurrection Sunday changes everything. It changes our identity with each other. It changes our identity with God. And it changes our purpose in life. That's what Resurrection Sunday is. It's not safe. It's dangerous. It always has been. It always will be. You're supposed to feel afraid and filled with joy if you're running with the king. Let me show you a little bit how uh, Resurrection Sunday immediately shows us that we have a new identity, okay, a new identity. First of all, when when Jesus comes back in his gospel with uh, Paul, I mean, I'm sorry, with John, John says this to the ladies in John chapter 20. He says, go to my brothers and tell them that I'm returning to my father and your father, to my God and to your God. Now, look at that for a second. Because the, the, the words that I've underlined there are new to John. First, the idea that Jesus says, go and tell the brothers, right, my brothers. Now, in John's Gospels, up in this point, you know, when he's writing the biography, he call, Jesus calls his disciples his friends, uh, his servants, his disciples. He's never called them brothers. And now he does. Because we all have a new identity if we follow Jesus Christ, if we trust him for the payment of our sin, we become his brother or his sister. New identity. The second thing, again, that, that's, I mean, when you look, look at this, think about how they felt when they heard these words from these women. They're being called brothers. What do you think they thought of themselves? The, the last time they saw Jesus, they betrayed him. They denied him. Right? They ran like cowards. And then, and then Jesus says, tell my brothers. Not because of what they did. They didn't do anything good. But because of grace. I'm giving them as a gift this title as my brother. You, you, call my, you will be called my sisters, gals. And you, and you will be called my brothers. Because you have a new identity because I've chosen to give that to you. Just by grace. The second thing that you see here is he says, my father and your father. My God and your God. Again, up until this point in, in John's description of, of the life of Jesus, he, he, Jesus would say, it's my father, but he wouldn't say, my father and your father, my God and your God. Resurrection Sunday opens a door that allows us to pass through to have an intimate relationship with the Father because Jesus paid the cost for our sins, just like we sang, he paid it all. He paid it all. And now we can call him our father. Our identity is we're brothers and sisters with each other. We're brothers and sisters with Jesus. And we call God our father. Here's another interesting thing that happens in all four gospels, all four gospel accounts. Just an idea, this idea, this idea of a new identity, new purpose. In all four gospels, Jesus appears first to the women. They are the first to witness the resurrected Jesus Christ. It doesn't sound like much to us. But back then, and it's not too different now in parts of the Middle East, but certainly in the ancient Near East, in Jerusalem, women had no rights to witness anything. You, you couldn't call a woman to be a witness for a crime. If you mugged a man in, in a woman's retreat, 
You know, there were 150 women that watched it. There would be no witnesses. There's no way for us to know what happened here. There's, how could we possibly know? All we had were 150 women. And, you know, that. And so he, he intentionally shows up to these, these women, and all four accounts take this uh, into account. And, and in Luke chapter 20, just to give you an idea of how even the disciples have this value system, in Luke 24, listen to this. And when the women came back from the tomb, the women told all these things to the 11 disciples that are all men and to all the others. But the disciples that were all men did not believe the women because the words seemed like nonsense to them. Nonsense to them. Can you imagine the frustration of these women? Keep in mind who did what in the last weekend, okay? You know? I, look, the women come, I'm trying to help you guys. I'm trying to give you hope and inspiration. This thing that we're mourning for, we don't need to mourn for. And by the way, and by the way, when you guys were all running to the four corners of the world and hiding, you know, yourselves under blankets, we were at the foot of the cross. We walked him all the way to Golgotha. We walked him all the way to the tomb. And you're telling us that our, our perspective on this is nonsense? I mean, can you imagine men, you know, patronizing and, you know, d being dismissive towards women? I know it sounds like fiction to you, but it happened in this story right here. It's a true story. And so, and God gives them this gift of a new identity, the women, by saying, look, there's, there's no male or female. Every, everyone, and he's making that clear. And can you imagine, can you imagine when Jesus shows up to the men, to the disciples, and, and he says, you know, um, greetings, ta-da. And they come, and then what would, you, what would you pay to go back in time and see what would happen when the women and the men got together? And the men said, guess, guess what, guess what, guess Jesus has been raised from the dead. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm, really, is that so? Thanks. Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, changes everything. Not the way you think. It is not for cowards. It's for the courageous. It changes our identity. It changes the way God looks at us. It changes the way we look at each other because now we, followers of Jesus Christ, are brothers and sisters. We call God our Father. It is not safe. It was never meant to be safe because he gave us a purpose to tell everyone else this. It's also not a safe thing to do, follow Christ, because the idea of following Jesus Christ was never made easy. Jesus never advertised it as something that the weak of heart should do. He, says, he said this, and, and this is a foreshadowing of things that will come. He says, if you want to follow me, you need to take up your cross, your crucifixion cross, deny yourself, and follow me. All three of those phrases mean the same thing. So the idea here is, is this Friday, Saturday, Sunday experience that we just are talking about today? It was for Jesus, absolutely. But he's saying, wait a minute, it's for everyone. You, if you want to be a follower of Jesus Christ, you need to take up your cross with your name on it. Deny your ego. Because it's going to be killed and hammered on that thing. And follow me. The story of Friday, Saturday, Sunday is not just the story of Jesus. It is the story for every one of us. Like G.K. Chesterton said, you know, Christianity hadn't been tried and found wanting. It has, it's been tried and, and, and found difficult and not tried. 
And, and so this, this concept, this idea that we have something within us that it's, sometimes it's called the old self, the old man, the old person, it has to die. And what Jesus did needed to be done to pay for our sins, but what we need to do is surrender this egocentric, vainglory, conceited attitude about life. And, and again, this, this value system that it's not for cowards, it's for the courageous, it's for people that want to, truly want to follow him must die to themselves to be raised. It's a crowded cross. It's a crowded tomb. It's an empty tomb. And, and you, you can see this in the writings in, after the resurrection, after the ascension of Jesus. You can see in the writings that, that people grasp this. And so one time we studied this this semester. We, uh, in Galatians it says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. What's been crucified? My selfishness, my sin, my pride, my old nature, my old self. Again, another epistle says this. For we know our old self was crucified with him so that we should no longer be slaves to the sin because anybody who has died is freed from sin. Dead men are freed from sin. If you want to be a follower of Christ, you have to kill this old thing that keeps trying to get back up and take control of your life. This, this part of you that keeps bending, it's bent towards oncoming traffic that's wrecking your life, these shameful things that you want to end but you can't, He's saying it has to be crucified. You have to turn all of your hopes, dreams, admirations over to him and give you purpose in life. Here's another one. Let's read this one out together, okay? Let's all say this together. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old. Yeah. Do you want to be a new creature? Do you want to be a new creation? You want to start over? That's what Resurrection Sunday is about. Do you want to start over? You had enough being a pilot, you know? You want to sit in the back and let Jesus be in charge of your life? That's what Resurrection Sunday is about. He's risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen in me. Resurrection Sunday is about an absolute transformation of a human soul. It cost Jesus his life to pay the price for your sins so that, that you would be made righteous in the eyes of God, so that his spirit could indwell you, and you get a new identity. You're called a brother or a sister of Jesus Christ. You get to call God your father. And when you sin, here's the thing, and when you sin, you, you confess that sin and you take responsibility for the things that you did, and you just say, God, I've gotta, you've got to help me kill this thing. This, 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 these habits and these, and these demented ways of thinking about what's important to me because they keep ruining my life. They ruin other people's lives. They ruin my relationship with you. So I have to, let's go back. Let's, let's, let's re-crucify this thing that keeps wanting to get out of the grave. I want to be crucified with you so that I can be raised with you. I just, I just, I refuse to be defined by my past, by my failures, by my old man. You want that? That's what Resurrection Sunday is all about. That's what, that's what Easter is truly about. It's about people that really want to surrender their lives to the king of all kings. Look, my personal story is a little bit complicated, but I, I think it, I'll tell you uh, bits of it because I think it's instructive. When I was growing up, I tried, I tried as much as I could not to miss church. And then even during the Lenten season, that's from Ash Wednesday to uh, Resurrection Sunday, it's about 40, it's not about, it is 40 days, absolutely 40 days. 
And, and even during that Lent time, I would try to go to Mass every single day if I could. But I, but I again, there was, there was this old man. It wasn't killing the old man. It wasn't doing anything to the old self. It didn't do anything to my ego. My pride ran wild. And it occurred to me one morning, right, when I was just crying about all the things that I'd done to people and the people I loved the most, I hurt the most, and it occurred to me that I didn't need to get better. I needed to get new. And all that time going to church, all those experiences, you know, s- s- praying and singing and experiencing, you know, the various a- aspects of church like communion, it wasn't working because it doesn't have the power to work. You have to personally take responsibility for what took place on Friday so that you can personally receive the power of the resurrection, you see? I believed that Jesus Christ died for man's sins. There was never a doubt in my my childish life and my adult life. I never doubted that. I just thought he got a really great discounted rate. You know, I I thought it was a strategic decision on God's part that one would die so many could live. What I didn't understand is I, for the power to happen in my life, I had to take personal responsibility for his crucifixion. Put another way, if I was the only person to ever live, he would die for me. Put another way, if, he, if I were the only person to ever live, I would kill him. My sins would kill him. Because my sins, only my sins, were more than enough to send him to that cross. That's how it happens. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. It is Christ who lives in me. And so on this Resurrection Sunday, I know a fair amount of you probably understand the story and probably think it was strategic of God to do this to one man so that many could live. You're missing it. You still don't understand it. So this Sunday, I want you to consider this. It's your fault that he died. It's your fault that he died. And you must take responsibility for that so that you can be born again. You can be born from above. That's what Resurrection Sunday is about. You, wanna, you, wanna, you, wanna, you want your life to change? You want a new identity? You want a new purpose in life? This is, this is what it looks like. It looks like you realizing the weight of your guilt is too much for you to bear, and you can't pay God back for that. The weight of your sin needs to be placed by faith alone on the shoulders of Jesus Christ, and his death alone is enough to pay for that. And his resurrection proves it. You want to change your whole world today? This is the day the whole world changed. Your whole world could change today. Why don't you do that this, today? Why don't you, why don't you why, uh, let's do this. Let's just bow our heads for a moment, okay? Let's just have a super private time with God, Okay? Now, this is, I know there's a lot of people in here, but it's just really you and God. So if you could put your deflector shields down and be just vulnerable, just be unsafe with God. Have you, have you been far from him for a long time? Playing a game and you think you can bluff him? How about this? He would, if, if he were here today, he would say, come home, come to me. Crucify your ego, crucify yourself. Deny yourself, follow me. 
Accept this offer. Accept this offer. That Jesus Christ died for you. All those things that you're not proud of, the wrecked lives that you have in your wake, just come to Jesus. Pray this, pray this. God, I confess my sin to you, and I want to make this Good Friday a Good Friday for me. I want to receive your forgiveness, not from trying to be a really good person or my own efforts. I just want to receive your gift of grace. I want to, see, I want to receive what Jesus did for me. And through this great love, I want to have a relationship with you. I want Jesus to be my friend. I want him to be my guide. I want him to be my leader. I want to do whatever he says and desires for my life. I want to have a new life, a new identity, a new reason to live. I want to be yours. Those of you that have been following, Lord, I just pray also that we we are so grateful that you made us yours by your grace, that you loved us, you so loved us that you clothed us in you. And we worship you today. That you you are the one who brings us hope. You, You defeat sin. You destroy death. You send us your spirit. And we are grateful for that. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, um, you know, while we're singing these next couple songs, we have a couple great worship songs to sing. If, could you consider doing this? This is a great way to consider applying. If, if, if this is the first time you've ever prayed a prayer like that or you had something happen to you, you know, in your relationship with God today, could you tell someone? Tell someone close to you, someone maybe that goes to church on a regular basis or goes here. And, and, if, and if you would, consider this, filling out there's a form in our bulletin that tears off nicely. Could, would you consider checking one of these boxes so that people in our church could get back to you? Because we want you to have a, a growing relationship with our king with your Father, with your Savior. And you can see those boxes there that, you know, I'm a believer and I've, I've invited Christ to my, my, my heart for the first time. What do, I, what do I need to know? And the second one is I'm a Christian, but I'm not living the way I should. I need help doing that. And the, and the last one, you know, these are the things we thought would be helpful to check is cons- I'm, I'm considering becoming a Christian and would like to learn more. Okay? I'd like to learn more. You're thinking about it. You just need more data. It's an important decision, right, to make? So let's, let's think about doing that. Would you, if, if you wouldn't mind filling that out and putting it in the plate when it passes, if, if, if you don't have a chance to get to it, then there's some boxes on the outside lobby. Thank you so much for considering the realities of Resurrection Sunday, the day the universe changed. He didn't make it easy. He made it an adventure. Let's worship together. For more information about grace, visit our website at grace360.org.